Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show. Sponsored by On Tire Tailgate Systems. at the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right race fans let's get rowdy the next 60 minutes will be two men talking one thing and one thing only racing from the third tracks the carolinas to the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega. No race is too big or small for this duo. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our hosts, Rowdy Maglite and Kyle Magda. This is the Rowdy Maglite Show. Welcome back to the Rowdy Maglite Show on Monday morning after the great American race at Daytona International Speedway. And what a wild Fabulous weekend. It chokes me up even talking about it, Kyle. Had to look good on TV. Yeah, Rowdy, it was a good weekend, and uh, good to see uh, Greg Van Alst come out with the Daytona Arca victory. Uh, just good to uh, see you know, another good winner. Uh, we had some good runs from the top five there. Uh, we have LeVar Scott coming on at 10.05 Eastern, so there's a lot of good stuff going on. Absolutely. Uh, Kyle, just kind of talk about the Arkham Menard Series. Greg kind of just stayed right back in the back, and uh, not the back, but sort of like sixth, fifth, seventh place, dinging back and forth, back and forth, battling. LeVar, Hey, listen, what a show he put on, Kyle. Led some laps, got some good seat time, and I'm looking forward to hearing what LeVar's uh, opinion of the weekend at uh, Daytona International Super Speedway was like. And it, yeah, Rowdy. It was... Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, Rowdy, looking forward to having LeVar on and, uh, you know, led some laps. You know, that Rev Racing car looked really good out in the draft. Uh Running second there till the end, but I uh, got shuffled back to fourth. But still, uh, ready. We have an all all top five of the uh, Arkham Menard Series finishers at Daytona on the show before, so that's how it's been. Uh, yep, that was pretty good uh, to see how the females run. The five females that run at the Arkham Menard Series race, uh, not a bad. Mandy Chick fifth, man. Let me tell you, coming out. Battling all the way to make fifth place. Not a bad, and her first time at Daytona. Her very first time at Daytona, guys. Uh, the way that thing shook out when you got down to the final laps, it become mayhem. Uh, Sean Core had a good finish. Uh, got tied up in a, a little altercation on practice and went back in the garage and got the car all worked out and uh, was able to compete. And I'm going to contribute that to the composite body because he was able to change those few parts instead of cutting, sanding, bondo, and trying to get it back in shape. It it all worked like a charm. Uh, Greg Van, 
Greg, he was just in the right place at the right time, and his car was fast all day. I mean, he battled for position all day. It's just one of those races uh, with no rain. I mean, we had a, we had a problem with rain with the truck series. Zane Smith wins the trucks, and are caused by rain. It, it wasn't really rain; it was mist, a heavy mist just come out of nowhere. Sunshiny all day, and here comes the mist. This part of it, uh, the Xfinity series, Austin Hill bringing it in there, a finish that. They had to sit down there, three cars sit down before they come in the pits. They had them stop down there to make the decision on who actually, on the scoring loop, won the race. And it was uh, for racing that long of a time. Uh, you're racing 300 laps, and to get down to the last lap, and it's decided by, uh, by the, let, let's bring in our first guest here. Our first guest was on a couple of weeks ago. First time at uh, racing at Daytona, LeVar Scott. Welcome, LeVar. How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. Man, LeVar, uh, what a fast little hot rod you had there on uh, Thursday or Saturday. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the car, he had the Chevy Maxigo Incorporated car really, really looked up for me. Um, It was pretty cool to, for, to be my first time at Daytona, getting used to the drafting and side draft work and what to do with the pushes I got from the cars behind me. So um, to come up with a four-play finish for my first time there, I can't can't be too much happier than I am right now. Lamar, for a guy, a guy who's first time at Daytona, what, what was that feeling when they said you grabbed the lead to be the lead car? Honestly, I, I didn't really think too much of it. I know it's Daytona and, and you get to have it in a split second. One second you can lean in the next second you're in last place because you just lost the draft. So um, I didn't think too much of it. I just stayed focused. I mean, I really wasn't. I just had focus on what I had to do and listen to my spotter. So um, I knew it was still a lot, a lot of racing to go. You can, a lot can happen to those type of tracks within 20 laps. So I didn't think too much of it. I just wanted to get there in the end. LeVar, what did you come away from, from that, knowing where you've got to go to Phoenix and Talladega next? Yeah, um... I learned a lot. I can't, I can't even tell you guys how much just being in the, in the, in the air and in the pack, how much you learn from doing that and how when you get to play with the side draft and how it really affects the car next to you. So, um, and I had to happen to me a few times where I got side drafted and slowed my car down a lot too. So um, just to learn a lot with the air, I mean, there's only so much you can watch and listen to people without really feeling it for yourself before you actually understand what they're saying. So to feel that and understand it a lot better was really, really a huge takeaway from that. Well, that's got to be a really confidence booster in yourself to be able to know that you finished fourth down here and led some laps and got some great sleep time on your car. Yeah, it was after the year we had last year, and I didn't, I didn't have the year I wanted last year. I wanted to do a little bit better than what I did. But after after Daytona, it's, um, my confidence and the team's confidence is definitely, definitely a lot higher. But um, I know my next race is going to be some short tracks, which is completely different style of racing. But um. I think we have the crew chiefs, the personnel here, and the cars and equipment to really perform in those type of tracks too and excel. Eric, Ed, uh, your mom, granddad, everybody had to be proud of you after the race. What was what was the feeling after the race, Lavar? Yeah, so so usually with my grandpapa, he's very 
he's a quiet person. He doesn't really show too much emotion or talk a lot. So, but for them, I didn't see him after the race because they, they had to go back to the plane. But for my family, they all said that he was really happy and talking a lot. So for him to have that emotion, I knew he was really happy to, to see me race. And it was the first time he ever been to a, a track that, that big to watch, to watch me race. So it's definitely the, the next level up. And, um, you know, he, he loved coming to Hickory and stuff like that to watch him. But this, this, this is a whole different stage. So it, it feels like we're, what we're doing so far is, is working and we're, we're slowly but surely making it in the sport. So um, it was definitely huge to have my whole family there. And I uh, can't appreciate them enough for coming. Hi, LaVar. You have Kyle here. Uh, thanks again for coming on the Rowdy Maglite show again. First yes, question for you is uh, talk a little bit about your run there. Um, you led some laps. You finished fourth. Uh, how was it? How were the last few laps there at Daytona for you? It was cool. I mean, I knew anything could happen in those last two laps, especially at that point. It was a late, a late, a late race uh, restart, and I um, started outside pole. But I remember the time before when I started outside pole, I had I had a really good a launch from the car behind me, and I got to the lead. But um, I knew the 20 car. At that point, everybody's really fighting for themselves and, and wants to win. So I kind of knew at some point he was on hangman and tried to try to win for himself. And I think that evidently messed us both up. Um, but it's racing. I mean, he's trying to go for it too, so I can't be too upset about that. But um, I just I really wanted to get a good push at first and get to the bottom end, but it didn't happen. But we still got a good a fourth place finish out of it. So. Not too upset, but we always want to get a win in those types of positions. I heard during the telecast that Nick Sanchez was uh, on the pit boxes. Um, what, you know, what, what was his part in it, and uh, you know, what's he been able to do to help you out? Yeah, Nick, Nick's one of the most calculated, smart drivers I, I know. Really, for him to come to this program and be one of my teammates is honestly huge for me. Just to have that guy here to talk to. Um, he didn't say nothing on the radio. He was listening and. After the race yesterday, actually, we no um Saturday night we actually we talked about it and he gave me some pointers on, on what to do in different scenarios like that and uh, then we talked about his race he had Friday night in the truck race. If I have somebody here on the pit box watching and, and taking notes and to help me sometime in the future, it's, it's huge. Who was able to help you out the most in the Arca race? Um, who who do you feel like you hooked up the best with? Um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean. I don't really know. It was just, I, honestly, I didn't have nobody. I mean, there's a few people I, I talked to before the race to to say if we hooked up with each other, we were going to push all the way, but it, it didn't work out. I mean, some things happened where they got left behind and they went to the back, or I just stayed in stayed in lines because there are reasons of there was no, there was no reason to make that type of move at that point. So I really wasn't able to get hooked up with nobody and actually have like a, a real partner. I know me and Jack, we tried to find each other, but um. It just didn't end up happening. He got he got into a, a incident and had to start in, in, in the rear that race. So it was kind of hard to find each other. So there was no, really nobody that I we helped each other. But um, I guess when I got into the draft, we all just pushed each other and didn't have to do what we had to do. So uh, just preview the Arkham and RZ season a little bit. Um, you'll be running full time in that. Um, I mean, what are you, what are you looking forward to in the next few races here when we start the year? Yeah, I mean. It's like after last year and two years ago, Nick winning the championship and just having having a good package. Uh, I think the ultimate goal is obviously to, as a driver, to develop and become better as better as I am now and just keep improving because there's so many things you need to work on being a driver to, to be the best. So my main goal is to improve and always bring home a, a good, clean car without getting incidents. But um, we always want to try to bring home the championship too. I think that's a pretty good priority. And I think we have the I know we have the equipment and the personnel here to do it. 
I know Team Chevy, Max Eagle, really, they really, really put a lot into this, invest a lot into this program. So um, I want to make them happy, proud and happy and uh, do what I have to do on track. So, uh, Pensacola's you, uh, your first ace race. How do you feel about Pensacola? Well, I've never been there before, so I know it's going to be a huge learning curve. The people I talked to so far about it, they say it doesn't have a lot of grip. It's like a, it's like a Florence kind of where there's no grip. But um, I had a I had a decent decently good finishes at Florence. So I think if I just use some knowledge I got from that track and try to watch a lot of footage at this Pensacola track and, and apply it, I think we have a, a good a good result. I remember last two years ago now, uh, Roger raced at Pensacola with the Arca car and uh, had a had a pretty good package going. So. I think if we take that and obviously improve some and work on my driving there, I think I think we can get away with a good finish. But obviously, I know the 18 car and a few other cars are really fast, but um, I think we can have something for them. Well, Lavar, looking at Nick and Rajav coming out of last year's program, uh, you got you to feel good about your lineup for the next year. Yeah, for – yeah, 100%. I mean, are we talking about 2024? Well, this the rest of this year, Lavar. In, in the oh, yeah. you got you got to feel good about your car and and everybody around you. Yeah, yes, sir. I mean, after Nick winning the championship last year and Roger, he was leading that first for probably half of the season. I know we obviously have the the equipment to do it. Um, we got we got a, another crew chief here, Jamie Jones, which is, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. I mean, he's very patient, calm, and just has so much intelligence. He's ready. He's ready to give it to anybody who wants it. So I'm very, very happy. I know we can do it. Um, this time after Daytona, I mean, I was very happy yesterday, but now I'm back, back to the shop, getting ready to work. And I've been working out and watching some Pensacola footage. I'm going to get on the sim here soon and, and get ready for that race. Well, let's talk about everybody over at Rail Race and, and uh, your sponsor there. Yeah, Rail Racing, uh, Max Hugo. Everybody here helps Team Chevy. I mean, this, we we really cannot do it without without them. I mean, they they invest so much into this program, and really, I know last year it was the start of the the Chevy the Chevy help and the alignment with them, alliance with them. So to have them helping and um, they, they give all the resource possible for us to perform week in and week out. So uh, it really could not happen without those those two, and uh, NASCAR Draft Diversity. I tell you, I'm a bow tie guy, and to see uh, Arca having some bow ties back, leading the pack, feels good, Lavar. Thank you, thank you. It was definitely fun doing it. Next time, I hope to get it done and uh, bring them the check flag next time. Lavar, tell everybody where they can keep up with you in the East Series this year. Awesome. So my Instagram is Lavar Scott34. Uh, Twitter is Lavar Scott. Facebook is Lavar Scott, and then uh, Rev Racing. As the same handles as um, just Red Racing, and they post everything uh, weekly and all the updates. So definitely those two, those two pages and profiles. Lavar, Rev Racing represents Arca well, and you're doing a great job and at being an ambassador. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the show, and looking forward to having you back on and seeing you down in uh, Pensacola. Thank you guys so much. It's always fun doing an interview with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, LeVar. We appreciate it. LeVar Scott, folks, a rising star. Get ready. Remember that name. All right, guys. Uh, We're going to talk about a few minutes.
about, uh, and we'll bring some uh, soundtracks, but Saturday night was uh, the dope, well, let's get to the truck series. Friday night, Friday night in the truck series. Beautiful day, hot, sunny most of the day. Get to racing. We're involved in the race, and you look up in the lights from where we was at, and you can see, I thought was which first was smoke. And it looked like a little haze, and then it started getting thicker. And what, not really turning into a rain, hard rain, just a heavy mist. Brought out the jet dryers. Uh, racing was awesome. But at the very end, Zane Smith brings it in because of a called race. They tried every way to get that track ready. It just wasn't gonna. It just wasn't gonna happen. I mean, it just was not gonna happen. Uh, they run the jet dryers, run the jet dryers, and then as soon as it kind of eased off, there it would come back again. So uh, they finally just brought the trucks. They brought the trucks out, run two or three laps to see if they could help dry the track out. It never happened. And uh, Zane Smith wins the truck series. So we move on into Saturday. Uh, Saturday doubleheader, Arkham Menard Series, Xfinity, Austin Hill wins that race, and another close race we was talking about earlier in the show. And then the great American race on Sunday, folks. What a crowd. Man, uh, Frank Kelleher, congratulations. It's a home run. When they said a full house, they meant a full house crowd. Did something unusual that they'd never done before with the red carpet where the drivers walked through. That was absolutely awesome to see the drivers come through on their way to the NASCAR or to the drivers meeting and then turn around and, and most of them they had to come back by. Uh, several VIPs posing for... Uh, Photos on the red carpet. If you go to my Facebook page, I've got I'm I'm we're, we're downloading now, but yet we've been downloading them all weekend. So if you want the whole scoop, go to RowdyMaglot.com or to the Rowdy Maglot Show on Facebook, or go to my YouTube page and hit that subscribe button. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna listen to uh, Ricky in the Deadline Room. Really proud for Ricky Stenhouse. Great win. He'll always go down on the big trophy as the winner of the 2023 Daytona 500. Joined on the stage by the 2023 Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse, driver of the number 47 Kroger Cottonelle Chevrolet for JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, just give us your thoughts about winning the Great American Race, Ricky. Uh Man, I think back to really all week, but really think back to this morning. Um, I woke up and felt really, really good about the day. I was—I normally don't get nervous, but I was a little, little nervous, uh, but like anxious and excited, ready to go. Um, my wife and I, Madison, we went in the gym and did a small little workout just to to get going this morning, and um, you know, just you know, felt relaxed, uh, felt good about about the day 
um, knew our car was strong after Friday's practice. Um, Mike and uh, our engineers made some really good adjustments after the duels uh, on Thursday and, and felt really good about our car. We did two 20-lap runs and, and stayed on the same set of tires for, for that practice session on Friday night and, and felt good with, with the adjustments that we made, and, and it, the car did everything that I needed it to do. Uh, the only thing that we didn't have when we started the race was track position. Uh, we started 31st, and first stage I felt like was getting a little hectic up front, and it was just kind of a parking lot. We were just you know side by side for for the whole stage, and so we just kind of rode around and um, just kind of watched it. And then we got track position there in the second stage, was able to get some points. Felt like uh, you know we might have got snookered a little bit there on. You know, the strategy a lot pitted, uh, but, you know, it was nice to get up front and learn what the car was doing up front, uh, which I think was beneficial for, you know, once we, you know, had those restarts late. And, you know, once once uh, we sped on pit road, I kind of thought our race was over, uh, but I felt like the good Lord was watching out for us. I was serving the penalty, and, uh, and then all of a sudden they had a, you know, big wreck right there, kind of where we were running, uh, getting in turn one. So, that gave us a second chance, and I knew that uh, my team was – Tuesday's meeting was not going to be very good because uh, we preached all, all season about not beating ourselves, and, and there I went speeding on pit road um, just trying to get uh, – really wasn't trying to get everything out of it, but uh, got a little too much. And so I felt like once the caution came out, I really had to – kind of put my elbows up and, and get back to the front to give us another shot to win uh, so I at least could, you know, tell my guys that, that we had a shot to win. And, you know, once it once we got up there, you know, the 8, 3, 24, and myself, um, obviously we cleared the 17 and 6 and, and put all Chevys in the top four. And then I was blocking the 22, and he got up underneath me, and I kind of thought our race was over at that point. And then we had that restart, um the 17-6 chose the bottom, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, gave us uh, the sixth starting position behind the 22. And with the 8-3 and three on the front row, I thought that they might try kind of the old school restart of, you know, pulling down in front of each other. And I knew that that would give our outside lane a huge run off of two. Uh, Kyle was pushing me like crazy down the backstretch. And I waited just long enough to, to go to the bottom once he was clear as well. And that gave us the lead. I was hoping we were going to get back to the white at that moment, and we didn't. Uh, big wreck behind us, and again, a, a perfect scenario for me. Uh, you know, I picked the top. I felt like our car was better on the top, and I knew Kyle was going to take the front row. You can't give a give up a front row starting position. I was just hoping that Bell was going to go third because I felt like Logano uh, and that manufacturer was a really good pusher. And so once we went green. You know, we got the lead. I was a little nervous because we were low on fuel. Our, our low fuel light started uh, flashing at me, and so I knew we needed to get back to the white. And once we did that, I felt like we could make it all the way back around. Uh, but the 22 had a huge run, got to my outside. Kyle had a huge run, and he kind of shipped the middle. And then I looked in my mirror, and, and here comes Christopher and gave me a big shot uh, down the short shoot there into one and um, and got out front enough for when the caution came out. So, Everything played out perfectly for us at the end of that. I mean, it's a Daytona 500. Um, you're gonna, it's a long race. You're gonna have good parts and bad parts, uh, but we just, you know, we just kept pushing through. Yeah, we're gonna start up front here with Lee. 
And then we'll go over to Jordan. Congratulations, Randy. Thank you. I talked to Mike right after the race, and he said that you took him somewhere he had never been before, and now it was up for him to take you back. And he wasn't going to stop until he got you back to where you deserve to be. When you have that kind of relationship with somebody, and before you were in here, he even said you guys shared a bad one. So, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Can, can, can you just you know, reflect on that and somebody who cares enough about you to see you to the end? Yeah, I think it was, you know, really big for myself. You know, I mean, not winning since 2017, um, having struggles, ups and downs, you know, to have somebody like Mike who, you know, when he took over the reins as soon as the season was over, um, it was, hey, you know, I know you can still get this done. We just got to give you the right opportunities. Um, we know that if we give you cars capable of running up front, you can do that. We've We've proven that. And, you know, I felt like his leadership throughout the whole shop is, is, you know, still not even, I mean, yeah, we won here at the Daytona 500, but I still think, you know, the fruits of that is going to come later on from, you know, his leadership in the shop and, and making sure, you know, most of these guys that we have are the same guys we had last year, but, um, you know, he, he believes in myself uh, more than, more than I do, I think. And, and that, that's huge. Um, I feel like, that's what separates crew chiefs these days is, you know, that, that team aspect and, and leading your guys and getting the most out of them. We all have similar equipment, and that wasn't always the case uh, in this sport. So now it's, you know, little nuances like that that help, you know, propel a race team forward. Uh, we all felt confident this off season, but it's, uh, it's special to do it with Mike. We've accomplished so much together. We've gone through ups and downs. He's been in the sport a long time. He's a cup champion. Uh, you know, as a car chief with Kurt Busch, uh, we've, we've, I think he's won this race before, um, not as a crew chief, obviously, uh, and our nationwide series championships and, um, and race wins were, were something that we're super proud of, but we know that those were 10 years ago and, and, and we need to make some new memories. Go to Jordan, then the Bob and then the Jonathan. Jordan Bianchi, the athletic, a few questions from me. Um, what makes you such a good super speedway racer? Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, so when we were in the Nationwide Series, it really wasn't one of my favorite things to do. Um, I, we had some good runs, but I, I don't feel like I knew exactly what I was doing. I was always you know, looking forward to the mile-and-a-half racetracks in the Nationwide Series. Um, you know, in my cup career, we got some good finishes in um, – in super speedway racing, but it was more of, you know, laying in the back, missing the wrecks, uh, not really being on the offense. And then when I was at Roush Fenway, Jimmy Finning kind of took over uh, our speedway program and felt like at that moment he, he gave us cars that had speed, that you could go on the offense, that you could make, you know, big runs, you could make passes, you could learn the side draft. And I felt like that's when I learned a lot about, you know, super speedway racing and, and really felt confident, you know, to make runs and studied, you know, what the leaders were doing, how they were staying up front. I mean, I feel like at the end of the races, there's generally, you know, similar guys at the front of these races. And, uh, and it's, yeah, some of it's luck, but, you know, a lot of it's skill and um, in your spotter, you know, the way y'all work together. Uh, Mike Kerman Jr., when we were at Roush Fenway, Felt like he was a really good super speedway spotter. Um, Tab Boyd came on the market last off, you know, last off season, two seasons ago, 
and and we were lucky enough to pick them up and i felt like that you know kind of upped our game over here at jtg doherty racing on the um on the super speedways and you know they gave me fast race cars as well so uh, it takes a combination of of all those things in your in your opinion what do you think has been holding jtg back from taking that next step like you've seen other mid-sized teams take well i think you know i came from roush Fenway racing and you know i saw all the resources uh that they had and, and the support from from the manufacturer and then i went to jtg doherty racing and honestly i was surprised at how much you know nice equipment and how they ran things um and, and how much of the car they actually built um you know i wasn't 100 percent sure you know what it was going to look like when i went into the race shop but now you know for us to you know kind of take that next step obviously this is our second season uh, with this new car and we've got more help from from chevrolet we've been in the simulator uh, way more this off season than we were all of last year and uh, things like that uh, the resources that that chevy's going to help us out with our alliance that um, you know, we've we've built with Rick Rick Hendrick Racing. Um, you know, Rick's been a, a great supporter of JTG Doherty Racing in the past. We've been using their engines, so I think that's going to be a, a huge help for us as well. Um, you know, like Mike said, I, I caught the tail end of it there. You know, this is huge for us, uh, but I'm honestly super excited to get to Fontana, uh, Las Vegas. Obviously, we had a, a decent test at, at Phoenix. We weren't where we need to be on the short tracks yet, but the, we were so far off last year uh, that, you know, the things that we've had at, um, you know, our tools that we've had this off season, we feel like we've made those short tracks better already. And, and we're looking forward to getting to those racetracks. Does, when you come to Daytona or Talladega or even like Atlanta, is your confidence much, much higher than it would be elsewhere? Definitely. Uh, but I think everybody's is, um, you know, but when you've been to a racetrack where, You've been to Victory Lane in the Cup Series. Uh, you know how um, you know how it works. The position that we put ourselves in this race last year, I think we led. I don't know. I was rewatching it right actually as I was getting ready uh, to go out to the grid today. Uh, you know, we were we were leading. You know, the last 20 or so laps here last year, and and we got crashed there on a, a late race restart with five to go. But uh, I told my guys this off season uh, coming into this week if. If we can get in that same position again, I would take it, and and hopefully things worked out a little bit better. And uh, and there we were with you know a green white checkered. We we had the lead and uh, controlled the restart. And um, yeah, so I definitely have confidence coming back to these places. Go to Bob, then to Jonathan, then the press box. Right behind the box. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Uh, in 2018, when you're at Roush and know you're not coming back, are you thinking, you know, my career is over and kind of the same thing? Did you have any of those thoughts last year when you're trying to do a contract extension at JTG, knowing you haven't won yet with that team? Uh, yeah, that was uh, 2019. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, um, something unexpected uh honestly i kind of thought i had a contract 2023 <laughs> um so that was the uh kind of crazy part about all that um and so you know my management team uh josh jones at khi jumped on the call uh on the phone as soon as you know we uh met with with roush finway at the time um and you know got a hold of 
uh, Tad and, and Ernie and, um, you know, started working the doors there. And I had some great partners with uh, Sonny, D, Sonny D, who also, you know, stepped up and, uh, and called on my behalf. And so had a great, a lot of great supporters, um, you know, that uh, I felt confident in uh, of, of getting me, um, you know, a, a, a good job. And, you know, when I got over to JTG Doherty Racing, like I said, I, I didn't know what to expect, um, but I was super impressed with, um, you know, their whole race team and, and how they ran it. And, you know, I was looking forward to getting this car, you know, technically a year prior because uh, I felt like, you know, once we were, you know, in comparable equipment to everybody else uh, that, you know, they had all the right people to, you know, to get the most out of the race cars. And, and I felt like, you know, we could – I could do the job behind the wheel. So, um, yeah, we had done my contract a lot earlier than we announced it. So, like, I think, I don't know, maybe you asked me about it, and I forgot that we had already done it a long time ago. So, um, you know, I I don't think we show up to the racetrack. We, we You know, JTG Doherty Racing's got realistic expectations. Um, you know, we, we, we were building this program together. We were excited when we got, you know, like I said, a, a car that was comparable to everybody else's. Um, and no, no one, it was going to be some growing pains over last season. Uh, we knew that, you know, there was, there was times we had a lot of hope. Uh, we went a month straight with, you know, our worst finish of eighth, but then we kind of fell off, but you know, the bigger teams were able to learn a lot more at a faster rate. And I felt like that's what got us behind. So, you know, this off season, we've really focused on that. And like I said, I'm excited to go to these racetracks uh, like Fontana, Las Vegas, uh, and really see the potential that we've gained over this off season. Got a question up in the press box after Jonathan. Jonathan Piel, the racing experts in ESPN Radio Albuquerque. You know, Ricky, you started racing when you were a young kid, and every kid dreams of winning the Daytona 500. I know you won your before in July, and but what was it like just being out there in victory lane, being on the start finish line, just knowing that you were the champion? Yeah, it's super cool. Um, you know, like you said, I've been racing a long time. Uh, I grew up going to the racetrack. My mom took me to watch my dad when I was six weeks old, and I've been going to a racetrack for an average of 40 weekends a year, I would say, my whole life. And I came down here in 2006, Buckner. Jeff over here has been a long supporter of my career. Him and I, he, he's a Tennessee guy. He had met with Bobby Hamilton at the time. His shop was in Nashville. We flew over there, walked through Bobby Hamilton's race shop. Uh, he invited us down the Daytona 500. We jumped in the tr for the, the truck race. We jumped down, and Bobby Hamilton won that race that year. And you could see an awkward kid standing behind him, and, like during his interview, and uh, that was me. And so that was in 2006, uh, and I was, uh, you know, impressed with this racetrack. I'd never been to anything like it. Um, I went to my first cup race was like the 92 Coke 600 back in the day, uh, but like I was finally old enough to, you know, kind of picture everything. And so since then you know, that was kind of the goal, um, is, is to try and get here and race. And then, you know, 2008 was the first time I ever made laps around here in the ARCA car. And, um, you know, I've gotten to race this racetrack when it was the old school racetrack where it was worn out. It was rough, a ton of fun. Uh, I feel like it's starting to get a little bit of that character back, but, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a dream for a long time and, um, you know, super, super cool for, uh, for us to be here. 
I remember seeing that clip around yeah. the internet <laughs> in the background. Yeah, awkward. <laughs> and I guess just, you know, going forward, you know, Mike talked about, I guess, you know, finding your mojo again. Well, what do you, what does this win do for you already? And what do you want to say? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're not done. Uh, I think, you know, Mike and I got a lot of, a lot of things left to do. Uh, again, it's been a short off season. Uh, I feel like we've, you know, Mike's moved the needle on where this race team's at. Um, the, like I said, the resources I feel like we have now, um, you know, moving forward throughout the 2023 season, um, you know, there's still a lot left to prove that we can go be competitive, you know, on all racetracks. And, you know, yeah, it's a speedway win, um, which is huge. It's the Daytona 500. You got you got to be able to win on them all. And, you know, throughout my career, we've, Mike and I have won on short tracks, mile and a half, and, and super speedways. So, uh, we do feel like mile and a half racetracks are probably our bread and butter right now with this race car, uh, excluding um, the super speedways. But uh, we know that we got a lot of work left to do on the short tracks. And so, um, you know, yeah, this gives us a boost of confidence. But, you know, I know we're going to enjoy this one tonight. Uh, but I know that, you know, everybody in the shop uh, and, and all these guys on this race team are, are looking forward to uh, getting to Fontana and, and kind of seeing where we shake out after everything we've learned this offseason. Go up to the press box. Bruce Martin with Speed Sport and with Forbes Sports Money. Uh, Ricky, when you're a single-car team and it's the end of the Daytona 500, even though you had some Chevys that were helping you out, do you feel like the lone wolf out there? Yes and no. Uh, you know, obviously throughout the whole race, you know, even, you know, I watched a lot of the, the first stage from, you know, my view. I could, I was close enough where I could just watch the leaders and, I wasn't really doing any racing. So, yeah, I was watching all the teammates work really well together up there. We've had, you know, Chevy meetings this whole week, and, and we preached about, you know, trying to get, you know, Chevrolet, their, their 25th Daytona 500. And, you know, we talked about working together. We didn't do great uh, Thursday night in the duels, in the first duel. Uh, we learned a lot, and, you know, they transferred that on to, to the second duel and felt like our strategies worked really well today. Um, so... That was huge for us, you know, like you said, when I got down to it, you know, the top four were Chevys at one point, and I felt really good about that, that we could kind of control the race. Uh, and then, you know, when the five lined up behind me, I knew that if we got a run, he would probably go with me, or I was really hoping so. Uh, and and we were able to, you know, kind of shuck the, 20, the 22 out and, uh, you know, both be first and second there. Uh, and then the last restart, you know, yes, you need teammates, but, you know, at that moment, as long as you had a good pusher behind you, uh, I knew the 22 wasn't going to just, you know, go to the outside of me because you got to get the momentum going uh, and the momentum's in, you know, numbers, and, and I was confident in what Joey could do pushing me, and then it was kind of a free-for-all once you take the white flag. And also, there aren't a lot of sprint and midget drivers that have won the Daytona 500, but now you're the latest to have done that, and to know that you follow in the footsteps of guys like Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt and, he, and Ryan Newman who have done that here. How important is that to you to show to the grassroots of America that you can come from that type of background and win the Daytona 500? Yeah, it's special to me. Uh, I know you know, Kyle's done a lot for, for dirt track racing, open wheel racing. Uh, Christopher Bell, you look at what Alex Bowman's doing now, going uh, back and forth and, and running sprint cars. I have a lot of fun running with my dad. We don't run as much as, as everybody else does, but 
um, definitely still a, a, a short track dirt dirt racer. And um, I know how long and and how you know important this race was. That you know when Tony, my former boss, uh, you know tried to win this race for a long time, and I looked up on the screen during you know that one of those late cautions uh, when the eight was leading, and they were showing. You know, I think it was his 17th attempt, and, you know, it was our 12th. So uh, I know how hard it is for, for guys to win this race, and um, it's nice to go ahead and get that, that checked off the list. Keep it up in the press box. Jim Mutter, motorsport.com. Congratulations, Ricky. Thank you. Um, Jody and Tad were in earlier and were asked about and talked about uh, their longtime involvement in the sport and the efforts they've made to keep going, even though that hasn't always translated into trips to Victory Lane. I just wondered, you sort of had what many would have called a breakout year, like in 2017, where you picked up a couple wins. Has it been difficult since then? What Have you felt at some point that you might uh, give up? I uh, definitely never thought about giving up. Um, you know, I felt like yeah, 2017 winning a couple of races was huge for us. Uh, but I'll even look back at that season, and um, you know we still weren't super stellar. Um, you know we we had our ups and downs, but obviously two wins kind of uh, you know puts a bandaid on some of those things that uh, that you can overlook. But you know I think for me coming to JTG Doherty Racing was a was a nice reset. Um, you know we had two cars at the time, uh, moved to a, a single car team, which I think has been beneficial. Um, we've been able to put a lot of focus uh, on the 47 car and uh, everybody in the shop. I feel like the details are, uh, you know, really paid attention to. We got some of the best guys in the shop. Uh, it's super, super neat to see, you know, how long, um, you know, Tad and Jody have been in the sport. Around our shop, you see, uh, you know, pictures of, you know, Tad going over the wall, you know, doing uh, Jackman and tire changes and, um, you know, they're, they're out helping sponsors nonstop around here. And, um, you know, you, you partner them with Brad and, and Gordon and, and Mark, uh, they, they make a great team. And so it's super cool to, you know, get them in victory lane. We had a, a great moment this off season. I feel like at our team lunch, uh, had a video put together and, uh, you know, it put some of JTG's wins in there, my wins in there. And, um, you know, kind of helped us realize that hey we can we need these wins together and realize that we could do that we we've we've both done it um in our past and so it's it's special to do it together go next to mark then to chris hey ricky right here mark long with ap obviously it's a big milestone for you but when you look at jody and brad it's a milestone for nascar how, how key is this thing for maybe the broader picture of of where nascar is headed yeah, NASCAR has been doing a, such a great job of, um, you know, getting everyone involved in our sport. And, you know, the even, you know, going out to areas of, of the country where uh, we're not so, you know, prominent in. Um, you look at L.A., going to Chicago, um, you know, getting getting down in, um, you know, some of the inner cities and, and getting, uh, you know, those fans interested in NASCAR, Um you know, we got a lot of diversity on our race team throughout the garage, um, and it's it's cool to to have two two on our race team and, and put them in victory lane here at the Daytona 500. Super special, and uh, you know NASCAR's you know leading the way in in, in a big way. So um, you know it's uh, it's cool to play a small part of of getting them to victory lane. Next to Chris. 
Hey, Ricky. Uh, first off, um, I just want to say congratulations on the uh, the awesome win. Um, uh, I saw on the replay there that you um, climbed up the fence after your victory there. I was wondering, uh, was that something you have thought about doing if you won this race, or is that kind of spur of the moment? I feel like you never try and think about what you're going to do when you win a race, especially the Daytona 500. And um, my crew guys were out there. Uh, it was a bummer that I wasn't able to do a burnout because we didn't have any fuel left. Uh, so that was that was a bummer. Um, I'm sure the Hendrick Engine Shop appreciates that. But, um, you know, so when I won my first sprint car race, my dad climbed the fence. Um, and then my first ARCA win in 2008 at Kentucky, he was in the grandstands, and we both climbed up the fence and met at the top. And then when I won Talladega, he climbed the fence on the back stretch uh, where he always watches the races there. And so got out there and the crew guys were like, Hey, let's climb the fence. And then, you know, I did the interview and I turned around, they were gone. And uh, so I decided to go ahead and climb it uh, myself. So uh, yeah, just spur of the moment. Have any word from Tony Stewart or um, Helio Castroneves what they thought of it? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I know Tony didn't do pull-ups when he got to the top. So <laughs> Uh, I know Elio can definitely do pull-ups when he gets to the top. I've I've done some workouts with him. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I haven't checked my phone to see if Tony said anything yet. Thanks, Ricky. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll go with Mike, then to Steve, then to Daniel. <clears throat> Mike Henry from NBC. Ricky, do you come into this race every year assuming there will be a string of accidents in the last five or ten laps? And if so, do you, do you sort of steal yourself that you're going to have to make some quick decisions because of all that yeah for sure i mean you look at really any speedway race these days and and they're all like that um you know every one of us out there know it's a really good opportunity to get to victory lane our cars are all comparable uh, on speed and um, you know the draft is obviously it's uh you know kind of even playing field there for the most part so you know when we were when we lost our track position after i sped on pit road i think we were 26 we were like 29th and we were going to come in and top off and, um, you know, maybe put some new tires on, but you know, we know track position is so important. So Mike said, if five or six in front of us pit, let's stay out. That's just five or six less that we have to pass, you know, in a 14 lap run to the finish. And so we did that. I felt like it was a, was a huge, um, you know, strategy play to, you know, give us a shot. And then, yeah, it was chaos at the end. I mean, um, you know, I got a good restart on the top, jumped to the bottom, and there was cars bouncing off the wall, uh, bouncing off each other, somehow all keeping them going straight. But my line that I was in every time seemed to carry the momentum. And then all of a sudden I looked up and, you know, we were in, uh, I think, seventh at, at the time. And so after that, it, it got a little bit calmer, but we were all pushing each other like crazy. Um, you know, throughout the whole race, you're – you're pushing in key parts of the racetrack. You you push once you get in the flat uh, off of turn two, get your momentum down the back stretch. You release uh, getting into turn three, and then you get close again, kind of through turn three and try and carry that momentum all the way back. You know down the front stretch. Not a lot of bump drafting, and then you know a lot of bump drafting down the back stretch again. So I felt like everybody did a really good job of you know being smart and you know kind of methodical throughout the race. But when, you know, when you're in 10 to go, it's like we all lose our mind and just, you know, push the whole time. And uh, these cars are difficult to drive when, when you're getting pushed all the way around the racetrack. Steve? St 
Steve Schweitzer with Alaska Press. Uh, how uh, important do you feel um, the next-gen car um, and the, so to speak, leveling of the playing field um, contributed or, or how important that was, do you think, uh, in your race team being able to pull this off this evening? I think – I don't think the this car – um, helped us pull this off at Daytona. If you look, you know, my very first race here at, um, at Daytona, we sat on the pole uh, with the old school cars. So uh, that was huge. And, and I felt like, you know, with, with the, the older car, I felt like we had race cars capable of winning uh, while, while being here at JTG Doherty Racing. I think the car going forward at, at other racetracks is um, where we feel like it helps, you know, kind of level the playing field to a point. Like I said, I think, Last season, the bigger teams learned at a faster rate. Um, you know, we, we hit on some stuff for about a month and, and felt really good. Uh, and then we kind of seemed to lose ground to, to some of those bigger teams. So we look to make that jump this past offseason. I uh, feel like we've, we've made the, you know, some big gains. And uh, we're looking forward to this car, um, you know, making competition, you know, more and more throughout, throughout the season. Go next to Daniel, then to Allen. FrenchRush.com. Ricky, in the years since you got your first two wins back in 2017, there's been a lot of like criticism and jokes made at your expense because of your aggressive driving style in these races and accidents you may or may not have caused. On a night like this, on this stage, when everyone else is in the garage fixing torn-up cars and you're crossing the finish line, not, not at least not much of a scratch on your car, do you feel like you got the last laugh tonight uh i mean obviously you're gonna have haters everywhere um and when you have somebody you know at the time uh like kyle bush you know getting out and bashing you uh yeah that's called to overcome but um you know i mean i feel like i've put myself in some bad spots yeah throughout throughout my career but um you know the the faster we get our cars the more i can take care of them and and still run them close to the front you know something i've always tried to do which is you know at you know, sometimes an expense is try and take a car, um, you know, and, and try and get way more out of it than, you know, than what's there. And so, you know, I feel like that's my job to do as a race car driver is to get, you know, the most speed out of a race car that you can. But, um, you know, also in this sport, you got to take care of it. And, you know, you can't, you can't just leave it all out there every single, every single race. Um, you know, so that's something that, you know, I felt like this off season we've, we've kind of met and, you know, Mike's, you know, super confident and he's, and what he can do and, and what our engineers and, and team can give me. Uh, and, you know, we'll assess each weekend, you know, after practice and after qualifying, you know, what our goals are for, for that given race day. And, you know, so I think we'll do a better job of, you know, kind of setting our, our realistic expectations each week. And, and I'll, if we're, if we feel like 15th is, uh, where we need to be that given week, then that's where I'm going to try and get the car to, and and not try and get it to tenth or fifth uh, like I like I tend to do. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to be super focused on this year of, uh, you know, finishing races. Uh, you know, Mike brought up this off season, you know, back in t the Nationwide Series when we had fast race cars. Uh, we in 2011 uh, we finished I think 98.9 percent of the laps, and in 2012 I think we finished 98.2 percent of the laps. Uh, and the only laps we didn't finish were crashes at super speedways. So 
we know that we can we can do that um, together as a race team, and, and we're looking forward to showing everybody that. And wh- where is the party going to be tonight? I don't know yet. Um, uh, yeah, uh, somewhere. Um, we will be here uh, for for a long time. Okay. Alex, congratulations, Ricky, on winning Thank the you. Daytona 500. This is Alan Alfred from... We are now joined by the winner of tonight's NASCAR Xfinity Series race, the Beef It's What's for Dinner 300, Austin Hill, driver of the number 21, Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. If you have a question for Austin, please raise your hand. We'll get a wireless microphone to you. We'll start up front with Jacob and work our way back. Jacob Seelman, 77 Sports Media, kicking the tires.net. Austin, congratulations. First off... uh, What's going through your mind, not the final restart, but as it's winding down and everything feels like it's setting itself up because you had no friends at that point, did you feel in control of the race even with four JRM cars behind you or was there a part of you that was thinking, this may not go well if we don't find some help? That's a great question. Um, I actually thought that I was in a really good spot. I actually thought that I was controlling the line the way that I needed to. I was making sure that I didn't get too far out. You know, if you get over that one car linked out, uh, they can really make a run on you and get by you. So I was trying to just kind of manage that. Uh, My spotter, Derek Nealon, did an awesome job just letting me know if they were half back, three-quarter back, and then when they would get that one back, I'd actually have to back up to them so they wouldn't back up too much and get a run on me. And I felt like I was doing a really good job of that. Uh, Not to say that... You know, the 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 8 and the 7 couldn't have hooked up and got a huge run, and, and it might have been really hard to block. But I was actually feeling really good where I was at, and when the caution came out and we had the green-white checker, that's when I got a little, I guess you'd say nervous, just because when, when I lined up on the top and I had the cars that I had behind me, I figured they would just bail right away and try to pass each other. So I uh, felt like I was going to be a sitting duck, and then it just all worked out. <laughs> um, but, man, it was such a crazy race. You've got Daytona last year, Atlanta last year, Daytona now again. You've got the truck win here from a couple years back. Are are you kind of the standard on these super speedways now? Do you feel like you can say that about yourself? Or is you know is this a case of you've had a lot of good breaks, but there's still more to learn here? I think you're always learning. Um, I think it doesn't matter who you are, Denny Hamlin, you know, it doesn't doesn't matter. You know, Denny Hamlin's really good. Uh, he's won a lot of Daytona 500s and stuff. So, um, you know, and other drivers that have won the 500, I, I feel like they're they're always learning. I feel like every super speedway race that you run races a little differently than the next. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the way the wind is, the way the air the air temp is, um, you know, that type of thing. You know, the, it just sets yourself up differently on how the draft's going to work that that night. Uh, and I think it changes throughout the race as well. I mean, those things uh, that I learned throughout stage one that I tried to apply in stage two, and they didn't really work the same way. And then when I got into stage three, uh, they kind of worked how stage one was working. So you're just constantly learning each and every race. But I can sit here and say that I have a ton of confidence on these super speedways. RCR builds such fast Bennett Chevrolets, and I can sit here and say that When we went in the race today, even though we had our radio issues, we had our issues that we had to start the race, when we drove from the back to inside the top ten within seven laps, I was like, man, this this is our race to lose. I mean, we just we were so fast. I could make moves whenever I wanted to and and do things that other guys couldn't, 
And uh, it's fun when you have a car like that. Jonathan? Jonathan Field, the racing expert, ESPN Radio Albuquerque. I guess piggybacking off of Jacob's question, you know, is a matter of your driving style meshing well with super speedway racing, or what do you think it is? <clears throat> well, I think a lot of it is is that I just react to what the lines are doing, how they're generated, uh, the energy in, in each line, how the air is working. There, there's a lot that you can do with the air when you're behind somebody versus when you're in front of somebody. And I think a lot of guys, um, you know, in the truck level, Xfinity level, uh, are still learning that. And I think that I, it's just kind of came almost a little natural to me because it's not like I've sit here and, and studied super speedway races way more than any other race race that I ever do. I mean, I watched the race from last year one time before racing um, this weekend. So, and that was this morning over a cup of coffee. So, I mean, and, and, and when I watched it, I'm like, I, I didn't take a whole lot away from it. I, I just, I, I just have the understanding that when I get in the race to make, make the aggressive moves when I have to, and, and know when to not make the aggressive move and when to ride and when to stay in the lane and what line's moving. Uh, I just feel like I have a good understanding of that. And I, I don't have no rhyme or reason why that is. <laughs> Next to Bob Packers. Uh, Bob Packers, Fox Sports. When Mayor is uh, turning in front of you <laughs> there on the last lap, are you thinking there's any chance for you to win that race? And can you describe kind of what you what you saw him do? Yeah, I uh, when he turned across my nose, I just figured cautions out, race is over. But as soon as he turned across my nose, it allowed whoever was behind me, the 31, 38, whoever the car was, I don't know who it was. It allowed them to get my to my bumper, and they just never lifted, and, and they hit gave me a really big shot, and they started pushing me down the back. So, um, and I'm sitting there looking at the green light and looking at the seven beside me to see, you know, when the yellow light's going to come up. And as soon as I saw the little yellow light, I looked left, and it looked like I was ahead of the seven. But then I didn't realize the twenties like below the double yellow line, and I'm like. Well, if they let that go, that's going to be close between us. You know, I, I was actually just thinking I'm, I'm racing the seven. I thought the 20 would get a penalty for going below the yellow. But I'm guessing the reason they let that slide was probably because the wreck happened and it and it made it to where he was trying to probably miss the wreck type thing. But um, from what I heard, Sam Mayer's okay, I'm guessing. He's good. Okay, so um, that's really cool. To hear, good to hear. Um, I was a little worried about that because when I saw the replay, I saw that he turned upside down. But – um, you know, when we went off in the one, I'm thinking, man, our outside lanes broke up. We're in trouble here. And then when I saw Sam go to the outside of the seven, I'm like, all right, I got another chance of this because that's going to pull both lanes back. As soon as it does that, it just drags that lane. And they both kind of like split left side, right side. And so I went to go fill the middle. Well, when I went to fill the middle, the one came to throw a block. He kind of threw it a little late. He came across my nose, started to get you know, out of it and getting getting wobbly. And at that point, it's the last lap. Like, what do you do? You know, you can't really lift. You just got to hope that he gathers it up. Unfortunately, he didn't. He started spinning and, and wrecking or, and flipping or whatever happened. Um, and at that point, I'm thinking that, you know, the caution is about to come out. And it came out a little later than what I was expecting. We were ahead of him. But I just I got to tell you all, it, it was like the longest, I don't know how many minutes we sat there on the travel. That's the longest I've ever sat in a race car. I mean, it, I felt like I was in there for an hour. Just like if you had a heart rate monitor on me, I'm, it's probably 190 just like beaten out of my chest because I'm like, did we do it? Did we not? Like what is going on? 
uh, and it was just such a relief to see that, that we got it done. All right, we'll go next to Zach Sterniello, then we will go to Jerry Jordan, and then Davey Siegel. Zach Sterniello, NASCAR.com. Austin, first of all, congrats. Um, with everything that you overcame today, uh, I'm sure nothing really takes away from this thing of Thursday night, not getting into the 500, but I guess what's the swing in emotions from a night like that to a night like tonight? Um, I guess the biggest thing is that as confident as I am on these super speedways, it does burn that I'm not going to be in the 500 because I truly believe that I could compete with all the cup guys. I really think that I could go up there, race for a win. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that out of being cockiness or not. I just have that confidence in myself. I mean, I, I feel like I see things on the racetrack that a lot of other people don't. But I think when you get in the cup level, the guys that see the same things I do, that stacks up a lot deeper than what you have in the Xfinity and trucks, truck side. So it'd be a lot harder. Don't get me wrong. It would be way harder to, to get a win in the 500. Uh, and it's a, it's a lot of things, a lot of people that are, um, you know, really good at what they do that have never achieved it. Uh, Hall of Famers have never achieved it. But um, so I can't sit here and say that I'd just go out there and win the 500, but I think I could pick, compete. So I think that's one thing that stings a little bit. Jerry Jordan kicking the tires on net. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but I was going to ask about sitting out there on the front stretch. You could see one of your uh, competitors who was, you know, thought he might have had the win too. What what really is going through your head? Are you looking over at each other? Or are you got? I mean, uh, y'all sending sign language back and forth. Uh, so where I was sitting, you could see the the TV that's down there in the infield. And I'm just like constantly watching the replay and I'm sitting there telling myself, I won this damn thing. Like if they tell me I didn't, this is BS. You know what I mean? I'm like, but I want it. Like you saw the caution light come out and I'm like, I, I'm ahead, you know? And I'm sure that, I'm sure that John Hunter's thinking the same thing. Like I'm ahead of the damn 21. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, that's just what I was looking at. And then I saw the flip and I'm like, Oh God, like I hope I even keyed up on the radio. I'm like, Hey, let me know if Sam's all right. And they said, yeah, he's good. So, uh, so, yeah, you're just sitting there, and then when they keyed up and they said, you want it, baby, you want it, I keyed up, and I'm like, are you sure? Like, don't be screwing with me now. Like, are you sure? They're like, no, you want it, and then that's when I dropped the clutch, did my celebration, and uh, kind of blacked out, honestly. <laughs> Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. So, last year I know that you had a little wager on the table with RC. If you won a couple races, you get to go on an elk hunt. You accomplished that. Did this win tonight go further to maybe another wager that you have with your boss man at all? We didn't start a wager, but right when I'm going start to the start finish line, he said, well, it looks like you won that elk hunt again. We're going to Montana. So, heck, that that's just as good as winning the race. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I mean, winning at Daytona is so cool and uh, it's so special. And to do it for Richard Childress is 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 so awesome. I mean, I, I can truly sit here and say that I think he's one of the best um, – owners that we have in the garage i mean i i know that i race for him and all that but he's so family oriented he's so down to earth he he remembers where he came from and even with all the fame fortune all the stuff that he has um he's never forgot where he came from and that's that's something that that's that's been instilled in me when i was a young at, at a young age is just don't forget where you came from um you're no better than nobody else you put your pants on the same way everyone else does and um that's what i love about rc I know you experienced this last year, but can you describe what it feels like to punch your ticket to the playoffs as early as you did? It feels the same way as last year. I mean, it, it it's just 
it, it takes that little bit of weight off your shoulders to where you're not really looking at points necessarily. But I will say this. I feel like last year we really worked on a lot of just off-the-wall stuff, just trying different things that I liked, didn't like. And if we ran really good that weekend, cool. If we didn't, we didn't worry about it. Uh, this year I'm going with the mindset that I want to get a lot of stage wins. I want to win more races, obviously, but get stage wins, rack up the, those points so when we get in the playoffs we have some stuff to fall back on because the playoffs have been uh, eluding me a lot um, these last few years in the truck level and the Xfinity level last year where I make it to that top eight, but then I miss it by a couple points. And if I had some extra stage points to fall back on, it could be different stories. So that's one thing that I really want to touch on this year. All right, we'll go to Daniel McFadden, and then we'll come up here to the front. Daniel McFadden, FrenchRush.com. Austin, first, how do you take your morning watching a race replay coffee? Say that again? How do you take your, your morning watching a race replay coffee? Uh, well, I normally have the kids in the motor coach with me, so there's a lot of yelling going on and screaming and all that. So I'm not really watching it. Oh, yeah, they're back there so I'm, and over there. I'm not really watching it, the replay. I'm more just drinking the coffee and just trying to, like, get woke up. Uh, I would say calm my nerves, but they got me kind of riled up normally. So, uh, But, no, I mean, I, I what I normally do in the morning on race day, no matter what it race it is, I'll sit, and if I have the motorhome here at the track, I sit in the motorhome. If not, I'll go to the lounge, whatever, uh, in the trailer, and I will watch the whole race back from the year prior, and I just take notes. I have my, my phone out, you know, the notepad that you have on your phone, and I just kind of jot down some notes, and I normally send them to my crew chief, spotter, that type of thing, and just like, hey, this is what I saw last year. This is what I'm thinking, but all this could be different when we go into the race tonight, and I will say – that, you know, with the, the rear skew change that we had and the toe change and all that we had with the rear end, the car drove totally different than it had last year, uh, all races. So there was things I had to do differently, had to adjust differently as a driver to make it still work and make it, um, you know, be as fast as it, as it had been last year. Well, that was actually going to be my next question. Justin Algar said that the, the body changes allowed him to do things differently that maybe yeah. he wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Can you, like, give us an example of, how, what was something that was different for you? Um, so I actually thought that it was a little harder to break the bubble, you know, the bubble that you have behind the car, and it, like you get a suck on somebody, and you just kind of hit that air pocket where you kind of push the guy out. I actually personally thought that it was a little tougher to break it, and you really had to back up to the guy behind you a lot, like drag a lot of brake, lift off the throttle, let him get connected to you. Then you can start putting throttle back down and, and getting that push and getting the run to make a uh, pass. And uh, one thing I noticed is when you are getting a big run on somebody, you got to pull out pretty early because if not, you get in the, the bad wake and um, that causes you to, to kind of hurt your momentum. So that's one thing that I played with when I was coming from the back those couple of times. I'm playing with, you know, how the air's working and things like that, that I was able to put to my advantage a little bit when I got up front. So I think that's one thing that, that kind of played a factor in tonight is um, just the cars just drive different. They're tight. I, I thought our car was tighter. Um, I thought that you would kind of get off the corner, you'd get a little tighter, have to add a little extra wheel. But in saying that, I could still do whatever I wanted. So how, how do you drink your coffee? What's your coffee? Yeah, I just drink it black. I just It's just straight black, uh, and I drank Folgers. So... Pretty simple. <laughs> All right, let's come up here to the front. Hey, Austin, uh, over here to your right, Chris Gollin with News Daytona Beach. 
Yeah, over here. Um, first of all, deja vu. I remember asking you a question last year in this exact same situation. Um, so I was wondering if you could go into uh, what were the adjustments made on the car when you had to pull in in the pace laps in the beginning, and um, how difficult was it to get back up to the front? So for whatever reason, the main radio in the car, we have a radio and then we have a backup radio, the main radio was not working. It was dead for whatever reason. I don't know if I left it on after qualifying. I don't I don't know what happened, but it wasn't working. So we switched to Radio 2. Well, Radio 2 is just the radio antenna. It's not the actual antenna that is connected to the top of the car to get a better signal. So when I'm out on the racetrack under pace laps, like I cannot hear my spotter at all. I'm I'm like, man, I you're going to have to repeat that. Like I can't hear you. And I'm like, they didn't want to pit. And I'm like, I, I'd rather pit. I got to be able to hear my spotter. I got to know when to clear, when not to clear, you know, that type of thing. And they're, they're, it's a crucial thing to have in in super speedways and so we came down pit road fixed it and then i didn't think it was going to be that hard to get up through to the top 20 top 15 i thought once you got to the top 20 top 15 it was gonna be a little tougher and within seven laps we were in the top 10 we were like running seventh or eighth and i'm like this is kind of our race to lose here I, i'm doing whatever i want whenever i want i'm driving up the middle i'm doing all these things and just it looks like everybody's just sitting there and they're letting me make moves and make passes and nobody's able to do anything. So as soon as I saw that, my confidence level went from already being pretty high. I mean, I already had a lot of confidence in the night to even greater. And I'm like, this is our, our, our race to lose. I think that we can outrun anybody. So, uh, and then we had a, that wreck that happened with teammate. He got loose. Uh, somebody got in the back of him. We got damage on the right side, had to come change tires. So we had to go to the back again, and it was the same deal. I just drove up to the front, and I'm like, man, this is pretty fun. Like, I mean, I, I actually had a blast doing it. It was so much fun. Thanks, Austin. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Come up here to the middle. Uh, Speedway Digest.com. Uh, Austin, you won this race last year, and it also ended under caution as well. Um, so winning at Daytona, would you rather win it under the green flag conditions? I mean, is that would that be more sweeter than winning it under caution, or does that dramatic pause trying to figure out who the – the official winner of the races make it a little bit more sweeter? That's a good question. I mean, I'd love to win it under green, but I really don't care how I win it as long as I'm the one that won the race. I mean, I, it is what it is. I mean, we all of us not drivers know that when the white flag comes out, as soon as caution comes out, it's over. So as soon as the white flag comes out, you're doing all you can to get to the lead in case you have that wreck that normally does happen down the backstretch or wherever it's going to happen. And you normally don't get back to the line a lot of the time. So um, it doesn't make it any less sweeter, more sweeter. I mean, it's still the same. We won at Daytona. It's so cool. Come right here. Tenet Bueno, South Florida Media Network. First of all, Austin, huge congratulations on the win tonight. I wanted to piggyback off of that question, winning at Daytona. Does it feel any different from the other times that you've won here? Or in what way can you describe that emotion, especially with this win tonight? I don't think it really feels much different than when I won in 2019 in the trucks or winning it last year and this year. I, I think the only thing that's a little sweeter is we went back to back. I think that's really cool. And you get to start the year off, you know, locking yourself in, in points and that type of thing. So um, anytime you win at Daytona, it's so special. It's our, it's our Super Bowl. I mean, it's the first race of the year. It's, it's all the hype and a lot of people are here. All the fans are here. So you want to start the season off right, and we were able to do it the last two years. Now we got to put our foot down and uh, win some more races throughout the year. I, I don't want to just win on Super Speedways. I want to win on some other racetracks. So 
um, our next goal is to go to Fontana and do it again. Does that mean that 2024 might be Daytona 3 P? We'll see. I mean, I, I I think we can do it just as good as anybody can if if I'm running again in the Xfinity Series or whatever I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just special. It's it's so cool to win here at Daytona. I think anybody will tell you that that uh, it doesn't matter how you win it, how you do it, when you do it. It's just it's just cool. Thank you, Austin. Congratulations yeah, again. Appreciate it. On that note, Austin, thank you and congratulations.